like you to turn this morning to uh, Matthew chapter 5 as we continue in that study. Uh, we have been going through the teachings of Jesus, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to read the last verses of chapter 5, beginning with verse 43 through verse 48. You have heard that it was said, love your enemy and hate, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father in heaven, I do pray that we can understand your word, that your spirit will apply it to our hearts, that will be more than just uh, words in our mind, but it might become actions in our lives as well. For it asks that in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was 23 years old, I was old. I had been married five years, had two children, worked a couple of years in politics and all my life in ranching, and I became a Christian at that time. I was very untutored in the ways of faith. I didn't have much background in the Bible, so I immediately assumed two things when I became a Christian about the Bible. And the first is, I assumed that everything in it is true. And the second thing I assumed is, I was supposed to do everything in it that it said I was supposed to do. Now, in a lot of cases, that worked fine. I made sure that I didn't murder, and I didn't steal, and I didn't blaspheme God's name. But then I'd come to a passage like this one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, and it would be difficult for me to apply. It says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I immediately assumed that uh, it didn't mean what I thought it meant. Because I thought God wouldn't demand from us some qualities that he alone possesses. And that's true. He wouldn't. But he is demanding that we conform to his, what we call, communicable attributes. Those things about God that we can follow, that we can do. Those qualities we are capable of emulating. This verse is not an unreachable goal. It is something we can reach, and it is a kick in the pants to get us there. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I think to be perfect means to, we are to be mature and complete in the likeness of Christ. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins. We know that. He came to this earth to destroy the work of Satan. We know that. 
He also came to give us an example of how to live our life. He didn't come to live a life that we have no ability to copy. He became 100% human so that he could show us exactly what our life should be like. To be perfect, then, is to be mature and complete in the likeness of Christ. Paul puts that into perspective when he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, We are to keep striving until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He's talking to you and me when he says we should attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we look back at that verse and it says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to get there? How is that going to happen? How are we going to reach that goal? If we are going to reach it, we are going to need all the attributes provided for us by Jesus Christ Himself. So what I want us to do is to review those things that Christ has provided for us in this life so that we might be mature and complete in his likeness, that we might be perfect. First of all, you and I have the blood of Christ. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with all the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Every quest for perfection starts with the blood of Christ. Without His sacrifice for our sins, there's no chance of us becoming mature and complete in Christ's likeness. In fact, it is a futile life without the blood of Christ. We can, in our good moments, work and try all we want to to be better. To be like Christ. We can try to follow in his steps. We can go along with one of the current uh, little uh, movements in our Christian uh, church today. The uh, WWJD. What would Jesus do? We can, we can be inspired by all of those kinds of things. But without the blood of Christ we can't do anything. It is step one. Jesus died for our sins. Therefore, we have forgiveness. Therefore, we can begin the process to become mature and complete in Christ's likeness. How can you and I be perfect? Well, we can start that process because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Not only do we have the blood of Christ, but second, we have the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. If you don't have that verse marked in yellow in your Bible, you might want to do that. 1 Corinthians 2.16 We have the mind of Christ. 
John 15, 15 reminds us of a similar thing where it says, Indeed, in, in, instead I have called you friends, for everything I learned from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus has let us know his mind. You and I can think like Jesus thought when he was here on earth. Pretty exciting. Now we come back to that Matthew passage. How can we be perfect? We can have a chance at it because you and I have the mind of Christ available to us. We can see the Father as Jesus saw the Father. We can see other people as Jesus saw other people. We can see ourselves as Jesus sees us. We have the mind of Christ. Third, you and I can start on that pilgrimage towards perfection because third, we have the heart of Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, we got to have a little idea of what his heart was like. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus was gentle and humble in heart. You and I can feel compassion like Jesus. We can have the heart of Christ. As we read through scriptures and we study the life of Jesus, we see that heart time and time again as he reached out to those who are hurting as he reached out to those who uh, are possessed, as he reached out to children, as he reached out to um, people that were outcasts, as he reached out to people in obvious sin, we understand his heart. And not only do you and I have the mind of Christ, we can have the heart of Christ too, to feel his compassion for others. Fourth, we can approach for the perfection of Matthew chapter 5 because we have the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ. In Romans chapter 8 verse 9 it says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. The passage is clear that when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our life and we have the Holy Spirit available to us, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, the Scriptures say. Think about where we started this series of thoughts. It's back in Matthew chapter 5 with a verse that says, we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. On our own, totally impossible verse. But now I have reviewed a few things and we find out that because of the blood of Christ and because we have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ and the spirit of Christ, that verse is not so unapproachable. We can be led by the Holy Spirit just like Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. It is the same spirit. Fourth or fifth, we can approach that perfection of Matthew chapter 5 because we have the peace of Christ. In John chapter 4 verse 27 
Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. I do not give it to you as the world gives it. The peace of Christ is a special gift, something you cannot achieve without him, something you and I cannot uh, invent for our own lives, but something that comes as a gift. You and I can be at ease and confident in the midst of turmoil, just like Jesus was at ease and confident in the midst of turmoil. That's the peace of Christ. Now, it's beginning to dawn on me, and perhaps it's beginning to dawn on you, that that verse back in Matthew that said we are to be perfect is a little more approachable if we have all of these things. Let's continue that list. You and I have the love of Christ. Sixth, in John 13, 34 and 5, Jesus reminds us of how we should love he says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. You and I can sacrificially love others just like Jesus did. Seems to me the key to the, the, the deepness of Christ's love is the fact that he was willing to sacrifice so much to sacrifice his strength, to sacrifice his time, to sacrifice his position, to sacrifice his equality with God, to sacrifice his life for us. You and I have the love of Christ in us, poured into our hearts, Scriptures. We can love like Jesus loved. Sacrificial. Seventh, we can approach reaching that verse of perfection because we have the joy of Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or full. You and I can praise God for his goodness to us at all times, just like Jesus did. That's what the joy of Christ is about. Praising God for His goodness at all times. We can have the joy of Christ. Now notice so far, at least, I have not said that in order for us to reach and to fulfill that verse in Matthew 5, the the perfection that's required of us, in order that you and I might be mature and complete in Christ's likeness, I didn't say everything has to go our way in order for that to be accomplished. If you're waiting for a week where everything goes perfect in order for you to be perfect, then that's not going to happen. We can have the joy of Christ. We can praise God for His goodness to us at all times, no matter what is happening. That's the joy of Christ. Here's an eighth thing we can have in that quest. We can have the sufferings of Christ. We not only receive the peace 
in the love and the joy of Christ, but the scriptures say we receive the sufferings of Christ as well. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, for instance, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. You and I then can release ourselves into God's hands in the middle of trials just like Jesus did. The sufferings of Christ. The ninth thing that we can have is that we can have the power of Christ. In John 12, 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to be with the Father. When Jesus came and lived his life on this earth, he demonstrated God's power in his life, a power that you and I can experience as well. We can accomplish spiritual goals way beyond human strength, just like Jesus accomplished spiritual goals way beyond mere human strength. You and I can have the power of Christ. And tenth, we can have the comfort of Christ. The comfort of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. You and I can bring strength and comfort to others even as we struggle through the difficult times just like Jesus brought strength and comfort to others even though he went through difficult times. Here's the verse again from Matthew chapter 5. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. How are we going to approach fulfilling that verse? We need to be reminded that we have the blood of Christ, the mind of Christ. We can think like Jesus. We have the heart of Christ. We can feel compassion like Jesus. We have the Spirit of Christ. We can be led by the Holy Spirit like Jesus. We have the peace of Christ. We can be at ease and confident in the midst of turmoil like Jesus. We have the love of Christ. We can sacrificially give to others like Jesus. We have the joy of Christ. We can praise God for His goodness at all times like Jesus. We have the sufferings of Christ. We can release ourselves into God's hands in the middle of trials like Jesus. We have the power of Christ we, to accomplish spiritual goals way beyond our human strength like Jesus. And we have the comfort of Jesus. We can bring strength and comfort to others even as we struggle through difficult times. Now how do we go about appropriating all of those attributes I think we'll go right back to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Because I think leading up to that verse about perfection, Jesus gives us one example of how you can do that. 
And that one example he gives is about showing forth the love of Christ within us. If you and I are to be perfect, like our Heavenly Father is perfect, if you and I are to be mature and complete in Christ's likeness, if you and I have the love of Christ in us, how does that look? Here's an example of how that should look. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is a divine attribute that we can have as well. God knows how to love those who are his enemies. The example that Jesus gave us here is that God allows and causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good. He causes the rain to fall on the evil and the good, the righteous and the unrighteous. Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, God showers people with his blessings even those who hate him, even those who refuse to acknowledge his name, even those who are working to destroy his work, God shows love towards his enemies. It is an attribute of his that we can copy. How do we do that? Jesus said two things to remember. Do loving deeds for those who are actively working against your best interest. Anyone who is working against your best interest, and I mean best being in the Lord's sight, best interest, is your enemy. You and I probably live under the, the, the grace of the church and the grace of God for so long, we like to think that we don't have any enemies in the world but the scripture never quite paints the picture like that. If Jesus tells us to love our enemies, he assumes we have some. And to love an enemy, of course, means not just feeling good about them. In fact, it might not be feeling at all. It means doing loving things for those who actively work against our best interests. And he says, second, we can pray consistently for them Pray for them to experience God's best in their life. It's always a challenge when I think about that. When this verse says pray for your enemies, I often think that's fine. I pray about them all the time. I pray that God will clobber them. God will get even. God will take care of them. That something horrible will happen. I pray for my enemies all the time. That's not what this means, of course. It means you pray consistently that they will experience God's best whatever that best might be. See, Jesus tells us what the road to perfection is going to look like in just one example, and it has to do with loving others. So by the time he gets to be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, he has shown us what that path is going to look like. In one case, it's going to look like loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. Now, you and I see that and we say, but that is so difficult. 
But did we expect perfection to be easy? To be perfect is to be mature and complete in the likeness of Christ. It is not an option for the spiritually advanced. It's basic behavior for the redeemed. Amen and amen.